Welcome to Two Days Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas, and today the topic is faith versus fear. This is a Christian spiritual growth site, a podcast that comes hopefully weekly, but we certainly welcome you aboard, and uh, today we're going to talk about important topics. We can also look at it as then along came a murder hornet. Look, we're living kind of in uh, rough times right now, and I certainly realize that. And we need to take life a little serious right now. And I think most people do understand that in regard to the coronavirus situation. And, you know, today we look at things that are happening, and it's really hard to sort through the information. Um, years ago, I was a journalism major, and I've kind of been an infomaniac. <laughs> for most of my life, uh, and I still am. I use various media sources, and, uh, you know, it's really hard to sort through everything uh, to know the truth, and uh, even for the Christian, um, that can be rough at times, Uh, but we do the best we can. But the question is, how are we living? What is it that controls us? Uh, That's what's important. And when I say then came along came a murder hornet, and people are saying, well, just as coronavirus settles down. Next thing you know, oh no, this murder hornet comes in. And and now as we learn more about the murder hornet, it's not all as bad as it seemed when it was first reported. But, you know, I have said over and over again, you know, COVID-19 isn't the only problem we deal with. There are many, many things uh, that can take people's lives or many things uh, that can affect us in bad ways. And I'm sure most of you listeners out there know that. But, you know, in my Bible reading this week, I came along a very interesting passage. And uh, when we talk about conspiracies and some of that stuff that's gone around, uh, it was highly fascinating. It was in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. And I couldn't resist talking about it because it surely sounds so much like today. Um, Isaiah lived through four kings and not many of them good ones. Uh, One good one was Hezekiah. And Hezekiah uh, had to deal with um, an invasion invasion from the kingdom of Assyria, uh, led by a name a man named Sennacherib. And uh, Sennacherib uh, was a great military leader. He was winning wherever he went, and uh, you know he was basically challenging the Lord God Almighty. He said, "The gods of the other nations have never ever been able to do anything to stop." our advances. What makes you think your God's going to do that? And Understand in those times, uh, if one country beat another country, it showed uh, that their gods were better uh, than the gods of the country uh, that they defeated. Um, so that was really what was, in a sense, being faced at this time. Now, we know the end of the story, um, that uh, God showed himself to be greater than the army of the Assyrians. Uh, while they were siege, doing a siege around the city of Jerusalem, uh, one night, uh, an angel of the Lord, it said, one angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 of the Assyrians. Uh, and that basically was the end uh, for Sennacherib as well. But I want to go to this other passage. Uh, he also had a, well, go back to Hezekiah for a second too, but uh, Isaiah, I mean, and Isaiah also dealt with a lousy king named Ahaz as well. He he didn't have the easiest time in his ministry, but the book is a very fascinating one. 
uh, in Isaiah 8, 12 through 13, uh, Isaiah is talking to the people. And let's hear this in our own hearts, Christian. He says, do not call everything a conspiracy. These people say is a conspiracy. Do you understand that? Do not everything in this world is a conspiracy. And I know it's hard to sort through information and data sometimes, um, but not everything out there is. Um, we face a highly, highly info age here. And like I said, sorting through this stuff um, is probably like a deck of cards times uh, a thousand. Uh, very hard to do. And then it also says, Isaiah wrote, do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. Worldly people fear things that come in the world. They see the world as this is all they have. This is all that they hope in. So when their dreams are shattered and their lives are shattered apart, they don't have anything else to fall back upon. Or when they see something like a COVID-19 uh, come along, you know, they what do we do? Do we run for our lives? Do we run through the hills? Um, these things terrify lost people uh, because they don't have uh, they don't have faith. They do not have a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, verse thirteen: You are to regard only the Lord of hosts as holy; only He should be feel, uh, feared; only He should be held in awe. You know, if we could just grasp this verse and get a hold of it and let it grip our hearts, Christian. Things like COVID-19 and other things that come along in the world, and I'll probably talk about Martin Luther some in a little bit, but even in his time when he wrote the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that great spiritual warfare hymn. It's talking about who the greatest above all the things in the kingdoms that shake in this world. Uh, so take heart and trust your Lord. And let's do that more because we're going to look at some of what Jesus said here. And so let's go ahead and move over to the New Testament over to Matthew chapter 10. And Jesus is teaching uh, his disciples. He says, do not fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, I, these verses, this verse right here alone really has to make us think and take time to reflect. Don't fear those. Don't fear man who is able to kill the body. Man is the lesser. But when it says fear him who is able to, to destroy both soul and body in hell, that's referring only to one person, and, and that's God. But fear God who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, Jesus is, is talking from the lesser to the greater here. And, and that is where our fear and that was where our reverence belongs. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus, again, argues from the lesser to the greater. He says, look at my father notices even the sparrow. I, he notices every animal that falls on, on the face of the earth. Are, is it, are we not more important to him and more valued to him? 
then in this case, he says many sparrows. Uh, it's, it's rhetorical. It, the answer is yes. It certainly is. And, you know, there's an interesting quote from B.A. Carson. It's a short one in, in reference to persecutors. He says, the worst persecutors can, can do does not match the worst that God can do. God, as we're going to see shortly, has our lives and our breath in his own hands. Um, this concept that I'm talking about tonight, it, it gets larger. But for the Christian who's following the Lord, it should bring great comfort to, uh, to you. Uh, maybe some of you listening out there don't have a personal relationship uh, with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, you can have that. You can have that comfort. You can have that peace. But you can only have that when you have a walk with him, a faith walk, and you take him as your Lord. But uh, I want to go to this concept um, a little bit further. When Paul uh, was on Mars Hill, also called the Areopagus, uh, Basically, uh, this was a hill in Athens um, where all the philosophers gathered. It was kind of the uh, Twitter forum of its time. Uh, they gathered, the Bible says they came come together uh, to listen and talk about something new every day. So it, it was the center of, at that time, you know, the Western thought was being developed uh, in that part of the world over there in Greece. Uh, Paul was in Athens. The Apostle Paul was there. And um he was one to go in and he knew where the world center was for philosophical thought. And he was going to go up there and present Jesus to them, which he did. Uh, so on his Mars Hill sermon, uh, a couple of verses from that, Paul said to them, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. And remember Jesus said, uh, in Matthew, I'm sorry, yes, no, it was John chapter 4, uh, to the woman at the well, that God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So throughout scripture in various places, God has said, you can't build a house for me. He encompasses the entire universe. He transcends over the entire universe. But yet, he comes close to, to mankind. He comes near and he sent his son to the earth. So there is a transcendency to God, but there's also an imminence or a nearness of God. And we can look at that in Jesus' life from his birth to his death. And even when he ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit here to be uh, indwell the lives of Christians. Uh, so God is transcendent, yes, but he is also very near. Um, but he does not live in shrines and there is no idol that you can make. In fact, that's a wicked thing to do, uh, to make an idol or an image uh, of God. Neither is he served by humans, human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. These are things to be thankful for. God gave you a life. One of the biggest things that I find disturbing in our society today is the ingratitude. Uh, when you live in a country that is blessed where we live and having seen other parts of the world, um, we have much to be thankful for. Uh, we have much to be thankful that the Lord's blessed us uh, this way. But the fact of the matter is um, a nation that sins and shakes its fist against God is also going to be judged by it. So 
Where is America right now? He holds life and breath and all things in his hands. He gives. He's giving you a gift. And I would ask you, what what have you done with that gift, the gifts that God has given you? Now, in Daniel, we can look at this again. Um, Daniel uh, served King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, If you look at the start of the book of Daniel, in the first four chapters, you see that Nebuchadnezzar was probably the greatest king pound for pound in the history of the world. And there's good reason why I believe that. If you examine the sovereignty uh, that Nebuchadnezzar had and the control of that kingdom, Babylon was probably the perfect, most perfect kingdom uh, that the world has ever produced. Notice that, the world. But it is also the symbol of evil, the biggest symbol of evil in the Bible as well, going from the Old Testament where Isaiah prophesies about Babylon all the way uh, to Revelation uh, where you see uh, Babylon uh, described as the heart of evil. And it has to do with the system. It doesn't have to do with Babylon being rebuilt. It has to do with the world, evil world system that Babylon produced. And that system went into everything. Uh, the government, it went into religion. Uh, the Tower of Babel was was there. That's the Tower of Babylon. Uh, uh, that's where that was. So Nebuchadnezzar was its greatest, its greatest king. Um, but his grandson, Belshazzar, uh, took over the kingdom. And you see this character in uh, chapter 5. And Belshazzar was a foolish king. And he was foolish enough uh, to be a party-hardy man. But, you know, the party and the types of parties they had there at that time were bad enough. They were orgy in nature and beyond that. don't need to describe any further. Um, But what he also did was went and sent to have the vessels from the temple of Jerusalem that were set aside uh, for the service and worship of the Almighty God. Uh, to bring them into their feast, to their big wild party, and drink out of them and praise their God, say, we conquered this God, and and use those vessels, in a sense, as a mockery toward the living God. Well, what happened next um, for Belshazzar was the judgment falling upon him. And when he saw the handwriting on the wall, Daniel chapter 5 is the handwriting on the wall chapter. Uh, He was found lacking. God was going to judge him, and in the end, that very night, um, he lost his life. And the interesting thing about it is that it, you know, historians say that even while Daniel was given this, giving this prophecy to Belshazzar, uh, the Babylonians, I'm sorry, the um, the Medes and the Persians had already diverted the Euphrates River away uh, from the walls of Babylon, and were coming in under underneath the walls. Uh, They weren't going to get over the walls of Babylon, but they were coming in underneath. And the next thing you know, the city was being taken over, even as Daniel was having uh, this talk uh, with Belshazzar. But here's what Daniel said to him. But you, Nebuchadnezzar's successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your thought, though you knew all this. And what he was talking about to Belshazzar when he says you knew all this 
he was telling him that you knew the story of what happened with your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. You knew that, yes, he was a prideful man, but the almighty God of the universe humbled him. You knew that he went crazy for a while because in his rebellious pride, he told God, this is the great city I have built. And the next thing you know, the man spent up to 17, uh, seven years uh, as a crazy man. He lost his mind for uh, whatever period of time it was, as, as Daniel had prophesied to him, because he was not humble uh, before God. But after that was over, Belshazzar, I'm sorry, Nebuchadnezzar finally learned his lesson. He learned his lesson, who was truly the God Almighty. And in all of his manly sovereignty that he had, he knew there was one much stronger and much higher than he was. And what Daniel just said to Belshazzar was, you knew this, and you did not humble yourself. In fact, in verse 23, it says, instead, you exalted yourself against the Lord of the heavens. I want to talk to you for a second because, you know, the ultimate sin in all of us in man is pride. We'd like to call our own shots. Belshazzar was sitting on the throne and he thought that he was safe in his kingdom and the world and everything. He was calling shots. He was the man. There was nothing that those Medes and Persians were going to do. Nobody got over the walls of Babylon, but never, ever did anybody think that somebody might come under the walls of Babylon. Instead, you exalted yourself against the Lord God of heavens. The vessels from his house were brought to you. And as you and your nobles, wives, and concubines drank wine for them, you praised gods made of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. So they took these temple vessels and they mixed them with the idols uh, that they worshiped. That is such an abomination. I, I can't describe, you know, it's such an abomination. But you have not glorified the God who holds, and this is my point here in reference to what Paul said on Mars Hill. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hand, who controls the whole course of your life. Belshazzar made the biggest mistake in that night. It cost him his life. And not only did it cost him his life, but Babylon fell. And that was it. Let's take a look at that. Because really the pride that Belshazzar has here and displays is the pride that people have in their own lives when they reject Jesus Christ. And I, it's a sad thing that's happening in our society today. You know, I, I look out there and say, well, People are going to pray when, when something bad happens in our world. Then you see people firing back. Your prayers aren't going to do anything. I'm sorry, but, you know, the Bible never um, takes any guesses or second guesses or assumes God lives. Or The Bible never leaves any doubt that God is. God comes on the scene right in verse 1 of Genesis. In the beginning, God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you look at the first of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, <laughs> I am the Lord God Almighty. You shall worship me and have no other gods before me. 
There is no second guessing. There is no question that God is. He is. He is there. And as I said in one of my last teachings, we would know nothing about God if he hadn't revealed himself to us. But the Bible never presents, oh, maybe we can guess. In fact, the Bible says the fool in it, the fool has said in his, and I'll say, or her heart, there is no God. And you can see that, I believe, in, in, in Psalm 13. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And it talks about the all the abominations and the sins that people who reject God are in. You can call your own shots at your own risk. But let's go further here and let's talk about fear, all right? We need to fear God. And what I mean by fearing God is I'm talking about a reverential awe, um, a reverential awe, uh, a respect, uh, love for God. Uh, what's the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus taught us that. Love your neighbor as yourself uh, was the second commandment. Love your neighbor as you as you love yourself. So these are... <laughs> all these factors in here, but we got to remember that God is a holy God. And our greatest problem, our greatest separation from him has to do with sin. But Jesus came and he conquered the sin problem, and many people are held bound to sin. That's why you see so much fear in our world. But if you read Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, you don't see that you have to have that great fear anymore. Um, the writer of Hebrews wrote here, says, now since children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these. He said Jesus came in the flesh. Jesus came and lived. And God the Son came near, walked this earth. Jesus also shared in these so that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives to the fear of death. Did you hear that? Jesus came to free us from all those bonds and those chains, fear of death, uh, to free us from sin, to free us to serve God. There's so many beautiful things about salvation. And uh, with all the things that uh, COVID has brought and some other things that have come up that have scared people, I know I mentioned conspiracies earlier, you know, you, you got to remember, you are to regard, regard the Lord of hosts as holy. Only he should be feared, and only he should be held in awe. You know, I want to conclude today with the story of Martin Luther in the 1300s. Go back 200 years before him. Um, but the bubonic plague had hit uh, Europe in the uh, 1300s, and it killed one-third of the population, which was around 30 to 50 million. And it was terrible. Uh, one-third. That, that would be equivalent if America was an even 300 million people. That would be 100 million deaths. Now, COVID, is percentage-wise, has come nowhere, nowhere near to anything like that. Nevertheless, it, it has wreaked damage, and it, and it has had a worldwide effect. Um but in the time of Martin Luther, around 1527, the bubonic plague hit Wittenberg, where, where he was at that time. And certainly, I mean, because the people knew the history of the bubonic plague, so people were panicking there. And a minister asked him, what should I do? What we, should we do, uh, Martin? And in his response, basically, Martin Luther said this, first thing we're going to do was we're going to pray. 
first thing we're going to do, prayer is the most important thing. The next thing we're going to do is take action. We're going to prevent the spread of it. So we're going to clean our stuff and make sure and not go to unnecessary places. If we don't have to go anywhere, don't go anywhere we don't need to be. Let us not do and take part in anything in spreading this thing. But Martin Luther understood if God was going to still take him home, then certainly he would be willing to do that. But in the process, he didn't want to be responsible uh, for his own death or for the death of others. But then finally, he said, there's one principle that overrides all of what I just said. And it's the principle of loving your neighbor as you love yourself. If his Martin Luther said, if my neighbor is in need, I am going to reach out and I am going to go and help my neighbor because that's what Jesus uh, taught us to do. So the beautiful thing of this whole deal is, you know, we got to have faith and our faith must be stronger than our fear. Um, This is a great illustration. Um, Martin Luther lived at a time when people were going into panic here for this period. And he didn't say, let's run to the hills. We got to get away from this. No, he stayed. He lived by common sense, and he was going to do the things that he as a Christian uh, should do. So let's you and me, you know, Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 6, 27 to 30, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field. They grow. And, you know, if that's how God, God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, Tomorrow, throw in the furnace. Won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? Basically, Jesus says, you are far greater than all these things. And he loves you with a great love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Our Lord is, is good. But we must have faith and our faith should stay strong. Hebrews eleven six says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Mm -hmm. Seek your Savior today. Keep faith, the faith principle, stronger than fear. Don't be caught in the hornet's nest. Don't be confused by all the things happening in your world. And your world may be hard right now, but we have to trust the Lord, and that's the thing. Uh, that's going to bring us through. Thank you so much for listening today. And uh, stay strong. Uh, God is good. And God is good all the time. Amen. Thank you for listening to Today's Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas, and you can find Today's Denarius on YouTube under the same name, um, under Instagram. Uh, It's under the same name, but just put Today's Denarius all together. Um, And it's also on Twitter under the title Today's Denarius. Uh, Be great to have you take a look at those sites. uh, Subscribe. And if you like today's, um, if you like what you're hearing from today's denarius uh, certainly feel free to subscribe this is available on apple podcasts uh, google podcasts overcast breaker um, it's on nine services uh, so including anchor which is where i record these 
So uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And certainly with Memorial Day coming up, uh, certainly have a, a blessed time of remembrance as we look back uh, at our heroes. 